Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 76, week 76, volume 76, number fucking 76. How you going guys? How's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Tyler from Year of the Knife and that will be coming up later in the show. So as we do every week, we start things off with a bit of feedback, a bit of questions, a bit of what's been going on. So this week, we've been absolutely smashing it with the listens, the shares, and the charts. Thank you to everyone and anyone that had tuned in last week, shared the podcast, whatever it was that you did, you have absolutely killed it last week. We smashed it. A lot of thank you, of course, goes to Andy of A Plea For Purging and the guys from the band because they were sharing the fuck out of that episode. Thank you so much, guys. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. It helped us get into a lot of the charts, a lot of the top 10s, but most surprisingly, we made number three in the Canadian charts. Big love to you Canadian guys and girls. Thank you very fucking much. Hopefully, we get up there more frequently. So this is just a reminder that every listen you give us is invaluable. Every share you do is invaluable. Every download, every follow, every subscribe, it really helps this show grow. And to see it smash the charts in a lot of countries, and especially Canada, is amazing for us. We're a small show, we're trying to grow, and this is invaluable. Thank you again to everyone for what you did last week. It's, it's amazing. I just couldn't get over it, and hopefully we just keep doing the same with each episode. So that means this week's show that you're listening to now, download it, make sure you're sharing it, make sure you're spreading the word about it, help us grow this fucking Mosh Zone community. We also got a bit of feedback recently, and that was from Mikey through the Mosh Zone community page on Facebook, and he said, I saw Chelsea Grin last week, and then checked out the Tom Barber episode at the suggestion from a mate. What a dude, what a band, and what an episode of the podcast. Fuck yeah, Mikey, thank you for checking out the show, and glad you digged it, but not really surprised you really enjoyed the Chelsea Grimm performance. They certainly know how to put on a show. Thank you for letting us know, and hopefully you stick with us for future episodes. Much love, Mikey, much respect. Also heard from Evan through Facebook, and he said, How do you keep getting these epic interviews? How? Thanks for tracking down and talking to all these fringe artists. My first episode was the one with Brooke from Impending Doom. And every guest you've had on before and since have been interviews I've been dying to hear. Today I'm listening to the Andy of Plea Purgings interview. Really interesting hearing from these guys from smaller pockets of the metal scene. Keep up the good work. Fuck yeah, Evan. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for delving back into the very extensive catalogue we've been forming. And thank you for enjoying everything that we've been putting out since you've discovered us. Uh, Evan, stick with us. Lots of exciting stuff on the way. And thank you for getting in touch. means a lot to hear that kind of feedback. So the last thing I've got to start this show off with is a bit of ratings and reviews. I've talked about it on previous weeks, and the reason it's so important is it gets the podcast out to more people like Evan and Mikey that maybe have never heard of the show. So if you use something like iTunes Podcasts for the show, get in there, give us a rating out of five. 
give us a review, tell us how good we are, how shit we are, whatever it is, it's invaluable to helping the algorithm get the show out to more listeners. Of course, on any of the other providers that you listen to this podcast, you can also leave a rating and a review. You can subscribe, you can follow, you can download, whatever it is, make sure you're doing it. It sounds very simple, but it's very important. So enough of my ramblings, enough of the jibber-jabber. Let's get into this week's part of the show that you're all tuned into for. This week, I got to sit down with Tyler from one of the most exciting hardcore bands going around without a doubt, and that is Year of the Knife. Got to say thank you, Tyler, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated, dude. Got an epic, epic chat achieved. Thank you so much, Tyler, again. Look forward to catching up and hanging out when you finally get to Australian shores. That chat with Tyler is coming up now. Yo. What's up, dude? What's going on, brother? Good, man. How are you? Good. Um, first off, got to say, like, I knew of Agitator for a while and then yeah. discovered Year of a Knife and then I was going back doing some homework. I didn't even fucking realize you were the drummer in Agitator for a while. Yeah. Yeah, man. That was a trip. I, uh, yeah. Towards the end, like halfway through, it was about... uh. About two, three years. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> fuck. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, I knew I knew the man had some musical chops, but shit. Like, yeah, fuck. <laughs> um, so big, big fan and um, got to say thanks for, you know, getting back to me, but also thanks for even checking out a few episodes. So that's pretty dope for me as well. So I appreciate it. Yeah, dude. It's very cool. Thanks for hitting me up. Um, talk about a buzzed band like before we get into starting things fuck man you guys are hyped at the moment gotta love that wouldn't you <laughs> yeah yeah um i just riding with it you know what i mean it's uh it's starting to pick up you know we're playing a lot doing a lot of shows doing a lot of tours and uh yeah it's just good it's good to finally be part of like something that like me and my friends created mm. you know especially Delaware. You know, I've always just joined bands, but I think Year of the Knife is the first band in like ten years of playing music that uh you know, I finally, you know, got to do something pretty pretty gigantic, I guess, or big. Yeah, I think I think it's really exciting, man. Big big props on what you guys have been doing and excited to see what's ahead. Um so just wanna have some fun. Um I definitely as as someone who's recently cleaned up his addiction past, I'm down this path of, you know, I don't, I haven't labeled it straight edge, but I'm definitely living a life that is. Um, so I definitely want to touch on that. It's up to you, man. Like if you feel like you'll be able to hear it better for you while doing it, then yeah, go for it. Yeah, man. So, I mean, you said that you had a you had a past with addiction or yeah really really quite bad like my dad was a full-fledged um very aggressive alcoholic um uh, when i say aggressive i mean that very lightly it was yeah it was not a not an enjoyable upbringing but unfortunately for me when i get got to about 17 as happens unfortunately with some people you go down the wrong path um and You're right, right. for me, my path led me to, unfortunately, 
very, very much not. I was couch surfing. I was living on the street for a while and didn't look like I was going to clean up. Um, and then started cleaned up off the drugs and abuse with that. But then alcohol was still a thing, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. And I lived a lot of my life not thinking I had a problem, which I think is probably even more worrying if someone doesn't think they have a problem, but they have a problem. Um, right. And then I got married and I didn't think I had a problem. And then where well, I was in denial is probably the correct way. And then the wife said, you know, you're drinking a bottle of whiskey a day. And I said, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, so it kind of grew into a uh, full something you weren't realizing what it was doing to you. Yeah. And she luckily, luckily she came along because she gave me the ultimatum. She said, it's this or me. Um, and at the drop of a hat, I just stopped. And it's been near, it's going on three years now. I haven't touched. Dude, congrats. Thanks, cool. man. So it's, yeah, so that, that now completely clean and. Wow. I mean, the only bad thing, man, is I put on weight. Like, that's the only bad thing because I am eating now. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I hear that always happens, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, I think it's more important that you have, uh, you have willpower, you know, you have like strong, strong discipline to kind of just let go of that, you know? Well, it is. It is also part of owning that you have the problem, if you have the problem. I think a lot of people like to sit in denial and say, no, it's not as bad as it is, or um, I can get rid of it at any time. And a lot of people can't. Like my wife thought I was that bad that I'd have to go to rehab. She thought, you're not going to be able to cut this cold. Um, but I was. I was able to just, I just cut it. And now I look at it and go, how did I allow myself to get like that? And why did I think it was enjoyable? Because it wasn't enjoyable, but it was that feeding it, just constantly feeding it. I'd get home from work and it was like, as soon as I got home from work, I'd go, don't need to drive anywhere. I'm going to start drinking. Really bad. Mm-hmm. Embarrassing to say that that's how I was. Uh, did you, did you have, I mean... Did you grow up having any like hobbies or any any passions or anything like that, or is it kind of just? I mean, I'm sure music was there, but that know, was guess, that was it. It was music. Um, the way the yeah, house was for me, yeah. The way my house was for me was my only escape <laughs> from what was going on in the house was getting in my room, locking the door, and listening to Aerosmith, Alice Cooper, Metallica. <laughs> you know, just escape. Escape the reality. And I think alcohol and drugs then became a new escape for reality. Right. You don't want to, you don't want to confront your reality and your demons. Um, Cause a lot of my problems were associated with my family, abandonment, abuse. Um, right. And you, right. yeah. you have That's to wrong. confront them. So yeah. So it's been, it's been really good last couple of years. I feel great. Feel healthy. Um, you know, good to hear, man. I actually eat now. That's why I put on the weight. I love eating, probably too much. But. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I mean, eating is sick. It's it's really good. It's it's satisfying. You know, you can pig out all day or just eat junk or anything like that. You know. Yeah, well, I, I love it now. You know, I feast probably too much. You know, so. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> so bands like yourselves, um, I find very inspirational. Um, the fact that you have a message that you do. Um, I also like the fact that the message is sometimes you don't, you don't candy coat it. It's 
needs to be in your face because part of the reality is someone needs to be giving you tough love sometimes. They can't just give it to you kindly. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I see what you mean. I, I don't know. I feel like that kind of, kind of person, you know, it's, it's hard to approach anybody without just telling them the straight up truth. And there's no easy way to, to approach or deliver kind of like advice to somebody for me, at least, you know, I think it's, I think it's kind of hard to, you know, I just tell them, tell people straight up how it is. And I mean, not, not all the time, but it, it's, uh, it's just like how I learned how to write lyrics. And you know, I think it's important to be like, just, you know, fucking kicking it in your face. And you know? I just, <laughs> I just literally, it's crazy that you say that because that's, that's what I think when I, you know, when I write, when I write lyrics, it's, it's from that, that kind of mindset. If I was in somebody's face, screaming at them you know like screaming at it or just i just get angry dude i i think it's that's what it's there for you need like that outlet to just let it all out well i think also you know you as you said you got to be straight up because you can't mince your words when it comes to certain things in life it there there is there is the truth and then there's that's it pretty much i mean you can't lie about things and unfortunately people's lifestyles they want to lie about it and say well no no it's not like that but if you're making excuses then you're not looking at it straight exactly yeah exactly i don't think it's important to beat around it i think you should just tell every i think you should let it all out you know otherwise you're just gonna gonna continue to hide from it you know what i mean so you really uh you really do need to let it out (laughs) everything yeah 110 percent Oh, without a doubt, man, and that's what I like that you know bands like yourselves do. It's it's needed in the um, culture and also in the landscape of heavy music because if we didn't have bands like yourselves speaking it, then well, it's pretty frightening to think that that message wouldn't be brought across. I, you know what I mean? Like I, I think it's just uh, it's not even like a straight edge thing. I just I believe that hardcore it shouldn't be like a lousy thing. It, you it's like there i think people people who really care about it are there for the craziest reasons you know they're people in hardcore are some of the most i hate to say it but kind of like that everyone's in everybody with crazy insecurities like comes there and just it is it's it's the misfit world but we we come together as misfits and form a community yeah a misfit world i like that yeah it's uh cool. it's a it's a beautiful ugly place that we we keep together and you know look after each other well that's what we're supposed to do anyway um that's crazy you say i got my fucking oh you got the misfits on too <laughs> yeah that's cool um uh, so we'll get into we'll come back to some some of that stuff because i know you're around 15 ish when you um became starting to say you were straight edge and that was your lifestyle but um, mm-hmm. do you remember music as a kid? Do you remember maybe an artist that wasn't heavy that kind of opened your ears and made you think music was a thing? Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, I think uh, my, so my mom, the house I grew up in, she, uh, she was used to play, oh man, she was really into like 
she's really big on R&B and she loved everything R&B and uh she had, like Patsy Cline and she loved Elvis but the one thing I always remember was Bob Marley and Bob Marley she would always play and it was I think that was like the first time like I kind of understood music and it was so cool you know and one of the first things uh one of the first pieces of music i ever owned was a 98 degrees tape hey (laughs) (laughs) it was terrible dude it was so bad um but you know i I, my mom is really what got me into music first and then you know my brothers my brothers just made my world explode with music you know I, i inherited all from them so it was pretty cool and i'm trying to think like uh, one of the first CDs I ever owned was uh, Everclear. So much for the afterglow. Whoa, okay, we're talking Melancholy as as fuck right there. Yeah, man, I, I know every. That's an album I know every word to, for sure. That and um, Nevermind from Nirvana. Like it's just, dude. I, I you know I kind of grew up like on a crazy. Uh, I don't know, just early. It's not even that early. It's like mid nineties alternative, late nineties, you know. Well, it was that was it really grunge and that kind of post grunge was really flourishing at that stage. So was Big time, yeah. was your brothers playing that music or you know, was music very much in the house? Like was there always tunes playing, like or was it kind of hidden? Like if, if your brother was listening to music, you'd sneak in and listen along or yeah, I think it I think it was a lot like that. Like so my brother Ryan, um he was like the you know, he was really in alternative rock music and stuff. He every a lot of the more bigger mainstream stuff, mainstream stuff that was bigger on MTV around that time. And uh he he definitely was playing music like when I was a kid. His room was in the basement and I would sneak down and uh he I remember him he had like all these crazy Smashing Pumpkin posters on the wall, a couple of Kirk Cobain posters on the wall. I don't know. I, he would just play all types of stuff. And he actually had a band. And the first time I ever saw like a band play music together was his band. And it was in the basement. And they would practice. And that was the first time I ever saw a drum set, dude. And I just like kept tapping it with my finger, you know, like drum, like all the little toms and the floor tom and shit. It was really cool. But uh, I don't know, going off on a tangent. Yeah, so my brother Ryan, who was the oldest, he, you know, he was that kind of guy. And then Brandon, Brandon was like, you know, just this, just the dirty gutter punk kid. And he was big on like Screeching Weasel and Rancid. And I don't even know, man. He got uh, US bombs and all types of crazy shit, you know, Misfits, Green Day. Green Day was a big thing too, like the Dookie album. Oh yeah, yeah. That Brandon and Ryan were like, that was like their favorite album, and uh, it eventually got passed on. I mean, I love that record, man. So, so um, I mean, obviously drums. You're saying there because um, drums were kind of your thing. What about the drum kit? Because the drum kit is. There's no way of mincing it. It is the aggressive instrument. It's loud. It's obnoxious. Um, you know, yeah. it's also, it takes a bit to learn. It's not a, you know, you can't just pick it up and, you know, suddenly be playing Slayer off by heart. What <laughs> what drew you into drums as an instrument? Why not guitar? 
I don't know, man. I, you know, I think it was just like some sort of calling that, you know, like there's a, there's a storefront in this like shopping center in Newark where I live. And I was walking with my mom and this drum set was literally like in the, in the storefront, in the window. And it was just like calling me, you know what I mean? Like it was like this golden aura, this glow around it. And I was like, that's what I want for Christmas. And I didn't think I was actually going to get it. And my mom got the drum set for me for Christmas. Great. Yeah. And I don't know what it was. It was like the first thing I ever like stuck to, you know, it was like the first, like first love, man. It was like my first thing I ever fell in love with. And I, I think it's bigger than that. I, I think something was just calling me to it. You know, you had a, you glad. had a Wayne's world moment, I, man. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean. So, uh, so how just, old how old were you when you got the kit? Then I was eleven. Whoa. Yeah, so I'm 27 now, dude. I swear, it's like, what was it 16 years or something? 15. Yeah. yeah. It's been a long time. So pretty much, you know, had more than half of my life. So, I mean, right. did you find drums something that was easy to pick up at first or was it something you really struggled with? And then the second half of that was, did you take lessons or did you just kind of teach yourself? Uh, I, I taught, I taught myself for sure. Ooh. It was, it was all by ear, you know, every, I was so like in the music that it was great. Uh, I picked it up and it was, I, I feel like it was hard at first. I remember I just kept playing the same shit over and over again. And then I got in trouble when I was a kid. Like, I mean, like we all do, but I got arrested and then I, I got my drum set taken away from me. Oh. And <laughs> so I got it back a couple months later. And, but in the meantime, while I, I didn't have the drum set, I, for some reason I, I, I picked up a lot of double bass parts, like, uh, double bass and tom parts because I must have listened. That's probably when I picked up kind of like metalcore and death metal stuff. My brother Brett, he was really big into death metal, and I would take his CDs and I, you know, we had a CD. That was the time of the CD players, and you know, I'd take it on the bus and I would just take CDs of his and put them in there, and I'd get on the bus and go to school, with, you know, and just listen to it, and I would pick up everything. But uh, it was going back to the drums. It was it was hard at first, and then when I got my drum set back, dude, I just like <laughs> went in, you know, <laughs> went in. So, yeah, so cool. I mean, you mentioned there, you know, you got into the metal core. So was you know, you mentioned that grunge was kind of the first step into kind of guitar driven world, but. When was the moment that you started switching to hardcore and was there a band that, you know, was it a hate breed? Was it a terror? Was there someone that you heard and you went, this is my shit. This is what I need to yeah. get into. Uh, sorry, I didn't I mean to cut you off. Hey, you're fine, it's, man. Um, yeah, like, okay, so, nah, hate breed I did not find out about until a couple of years later after I was in the hardcore. I actually have this, my CDs in front of me right now. I'm going to check this out. But uh, it's funny you say Terror, dude. Uh, one with the Underdogs. Yes. Was yes. One, one of the first hardcore records I picked up, and that was in my CD player, like sixth grade on the school bus. 
Oh my god, that's all I listen to, dude. And uh, I still have the CD, dude. It's it's here somewhere. And it looks like a, it actually like a special limited edition thing, and it looks like a, a vinyl record, but on a CD. It's Ooh. got like the grooves on it. Oh yes, that's the one I've got. Yeah, it's behind me on. Uh, you probably can't see it. I've got two things full of music. CDs. Dude, look at that. That's yeah. incredible. Oh, I've been collecting since I was, I think, eight or nine. Like, yes. Like, I can't Beautiful. stop collecting, man. It's a bit of a weird thing. The wife says, "Oh, you're just collecting objects." I mean, pretty much is. <laughs> you know, you can get it all online nowadays, but nothing beats a physical copy. Yeah, I think it's this one right here. Yes, that's the one. Yes, that's the one. Beast. Yeah, that's so cool. So, what about what about hardcore made you want to really get into it? Was it the aggression? Was it the energy? Was it a feeling of belonging? What about hardcore drew you in? Uh, I I definitely was the the aggression and energy. Uh, it was definitely the pace of it. It was I always just like wanted to go fast as a kid. You know what I mean? Like I was always on my I was always skating. I was always on my bike and I just wanted to go always so like just fucking fast all the time and uh fast music goes hand in hand with that you know what I mean and I just picked that up and I liked how I shouldn't say it's simple but like the fast upbeats of something like terror like one with the underdogs and I, I just I just connected with it so well because I, I liked how solid and hard that drum beat was mm. and that stuck with me, you know. And it was it was definitely the aggression and the energy, but um the belonging I only discovered, you know, about two or three years into it what it what it really meant, you know. And there was just this bigger belonging to it. It it definitely I know what you mean by simple. It's not as in it's not taken as that word it is part of i got the same feeling from hardcore that you got it's four to the floor kind of driven rhythm that is quick uh but when it slows down it's got the same impact um and it felt like probably for someone that's especially playing drums it felt like something that you could obtain like you could mm -hmm. play that um not because it was easy but just because you know it's not you're not filling it in with a million over-the-top fills that death metal does and thrash metal does. You'd... Yes. So it's just, it's not, you know, it's very, it's not technical. Mm. It's not, it's not too complicated. It's just straightforward shit. And I like to be a very just simple, you know, not complicated person. And I think a lot of that stuff you can like pick from, you know, and kind of feel it. So around this age, are you? Uh, is this around the time you're discovering uh, Straight Edge? Is this around the time that you were getting into hardcore, or did you mm -hmm. become Straight Edge and then hardcore came after? Um, I mean, my memory's terrible, but you know, hardcore was first, definitely. But you know, about maybe a year or two into it, that's when I discovered Straight Edge. Uh, a friend of mine, Garrett, he you know, he's, he was, he was straight edge. He still is straight edge, but it, it is like, you know, he, he had a crazy life and I guess that's what made him the way he is. And I just kind of grew up the same way. You know what I mean? Like I discovered straight edge from him and, uh, you know, everyone, my family just 
dealt with, you know, some substance abuse and kind of still are, but it, I was like the baby of the family. Mm -hmm. So when you're, you just feel, I felt like kind of on my own, you know what I mean? I felt, oh, I watched everything around me and I watched my family kind of just do all this stuff and I just didn't want to do, I didn't want anything to do with it, man. I I kind of escaped my own little world, like my own little belonging and it just, it meant so much to me and that's why it still means so much to me to this day, you know? So. Well, it is and it's, it's always difficult when you have an environment like that going on um, and also at that age of around 15, you're also trying to find yourself. Um, oh, yeah. You're trying to find your path, your meaning. And if you're seeing people destroy themselves around you, um, as I know as well, seeing someone like that, you don't want to be like that. Um, you have more empowerment to choose your own path. Um, and that takes a lot of conviction, especially at 15 as well. At a young age, it's, it's no one knows what they want at, at that younger age. You know, it's it's complicated, man. It still is. Now, still when you're doing that at 15 and you're <clears> at school, <throat> um, this is also going to be a challenging time because everyone around you is at that ridiculous party age. You know, that's the age when everyone starts, you know, smoking cigarettes, they're drinking beer, they're whatever they're doing. Yeah, it's got to be weird for you also at that age watching everyone that you. Or your peer group go through that, except your best friend, who you're saying was straight edge as well. Yeah, and um, I did. I was surrounded with a lot of that. A lot of the kids that I, I went to shows with, and I met through music. They they like to party, man, and they like to drink. And I think that's kind of what it made me who I am from not being so judgmental about it and accepting of it, because I could still hang, you know, mm. and people just kind of destroying the world around you, I guess. But not a lot of people got that far, you know. They, I know some people that have gotten pretty bad in drugs, but a lot of the friends that I went to shows with, you know, they just drank or smoked, smoked weed, stuff like that. But yeah. I think something that's strange is probably around that time, and I think not maybe so much nowadays, people would say it's an extreme way of living. Um, or they claim that if you are your, if you're straight edge, you're extreme. I think, what's your take on that? Cause I think that's really weird to say it's extreme. It's not extreme. It's like just being you. I think it's, a, I, it's definitely like a misconception. And I, I, I think what people see when they see straight edge is they see kids that are, oh man, how do I put this? People who push something the hardest always kind of are i hate to say it, they're like the biggest hypocrites you know they they uh i mean i'm not a fucking perfect dude like a perfect person man but like i don't know it's it's a big thing with straight edge like some some kids will get in and be like fuck that you know you're a fucking idiot you're a fucking junkie blah 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 you know piece of shit you get high you get drunk i'm gonna beat you up blah 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 and it's i feel like kids like that they're just constantly going from the next thing to the next thing to the next thing you know and that's not really a big thing right now but it definitely was a couple of years ago you know well that's the uh, i don't like the phrase but it's the militant 
side of it <laughs> that it sometimes unfortunately gets thrown in with it. I think that everyone just thinks if you're straight edge, you're militant. The militancy yeah, of it. I and I I had I had this band dude. It was called Uzi Kids. Uzi Kids. A, <laughs> yeah, Uzi like the gun, you know, Uzi I and uh, it was like a joke militant band. You know, it's funny. It's funny to joke like that, but like none of us were ever serious like that. The four of us were just accepting people that grew up around, you know, terrible shit like that. Mm. But it, we made, we made light of that kind of like that, that corner in straight edge, you know, we made, we made it kind of funny, but it was, um, you don't really see that now, you know? No, it's kind of it's kind of died off. I think. I think that's part of just how I think nowadays. I think people are a little bit more open and aware of what's actually going on. Um, I think people maybe are just chilled out a bit. They go, okay, if you're straight edge, that's not extreme, and if you are straight edge, there's no need to be. You can be full on, but not that full on. If that makes sense. Yeah, like uh, always, just shoving. It's like shoving people's beliefs their beliefs down people's throats and shit. And I don't know. Well, it's weird. I think, I think nowadays the ones that are probably more militant are actually vegans. Probably it's unfortunately now uh, it, they're the ones doing that. And eventually they will calm down. But at the moment, they're the ones that are probably doing more militant style, um, protesting and getting out in people's faces. Yeah. Vegan, vegan straight edge is, um, it's, strong you know it's a strong moral system and just high beliefs for sure i think people you know you see it on instagram you see it everywhere but mainly like a lot of that stuff i see is in like instagram stories and they'll show statistics or they'll share information about how you know how animal how animals are taken advantage of and murdered and you know it's 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 very interesting to to be exposed to that kind of stuff, but I think there's a lot of immaturity with some people that don't really know what they're talking about. They're just sharing information they're not sure of, you know. Well, I think that's in every aspect of nowadays. A lot of people just see something yes. and share it. it. Doesn't matter what it is. They they don't really go in depth. Um, I wanted to come back to a bit of music. Um, sure. When you're, you know at this age and you're getting into hardcore and you've got a straight edge life now going strong and you're at school, when in your head do you say to yourself, I think I want to do music as something? Um, And if you didn't say that yet, were you looking at a career? Because, you know, the reality is not often in high school do kids go, that's it, music's my thing, fuck everything else, that's what I'm focusing on. So what was it like for you in your last, you know, touch of high school? Um, you know, probably when I was around like 15, uh, probably even before that, 14, discovering the drums and like you're, you, you grow this passion for it and you have such a love for it. You're like, damn, I really want to get involved with other people. And, uh, I had a, a friend back in the day, Brandon, um, Brandon Ledeker and me and him would just you, we would play together we were, we were neighbors you know and that's like the first little thing that i started playing music with and that was in like middle school and i'm, I'm not really sure what i'm trying to get out here but like I, by the time i was in high school i think that's when i started to get 
started taking music more serious and started to discover how to write a song. Um, you know, <laughs> just go completely like ape shit on drums. And I, I don't know. I met a couple people at shows and that's kind of where I got it from. I feel like I'm missing the question here though. Like, no, 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 not really. You've kind of answered it. It was around that age you decided music's what you wanted to do. But were you yeah. were you ever considering something else as a career to backdrop on? Because I know you're into art and graffiti as well, but was that maybe what you were thinking mm-hmm. of doing if music couldn't pan out? Yeah. You know, I felt like sometimes, like, I would love to be a drummer for, you know, for a band and, you know, it'd be cool as a career. But as the older I got, you know, I feel like it's just, that's not in me. I'm not in it for that, you know, and I, I guess that just makes me not want to work as hard mm-hmm. to have it career. Uh, I just enjoy it so much, you know. The, uh, I don't want to explain it; just the emotion from it, and I, I can never, I can never take it that. F- I I just enjoy it too much. That I feel like it would lose it value if i did that you know basically you're saying that you like it for the fun of it um it's something you enjoy it's an outlet the moment it becomes too serious it's no longer fun for you exactly and yeah. that that's real. i think that's something that's kind of i think it's lost a lot of time nowadays is people get into it and they want it to be this very serious path, this very serious driven thing. Um, and I think that's why some bands don't last is they forget that you got to enjoy what you're doing because it's not easy being on the road. It's not easy touring. So you got to have fun doing what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I have like a very, it's not a negative way of looking at it. It's just more of a. Realistic. Stoic. Yeah. Real. You could say things last forever that's why i think it's important to appreciate every moment yeah so you know you were saying you're just a bit more realistic yeah i damn i completely lost all what i was saying yeah it's just i think it's important to i i don't think that things will last that long and i obviously but you're there for the ride, you know, like, and while you do it, you just try to live in that moment. Every time you, every time you play a show, every time you see a band, every time you meet a new person, it's just, I I try to pick those things up and remember it at every show or, you know, every show you play or I I just feel it so much that I I don't want to ever fucking lose it. But I don't know what I'm getting at, man. I'm just, going on a tangent you know hey tangents are good man don't don't stress tangents are good that's what makes this conversations fun tangents are fun um so you you mentioned yeah you, know, you had the uzi was it uzi boys uzi kids uzi kids okay so you had yeah. the uzi kids and i know there was also cut short was another band you were in um cut short. Oh. what what were, were there any other early bands in that period and what was it like for you being in these early bands? Was it all just about learning from your mistakes and just trying to see what works? Yeah, uh, you know, just adapting to different styles. Um, 
adapting to different styles, playing with different people, realizing that not, not everyone has this, the same kind of heart. That was the first band did a tour with. And we just, we had fun, man. And we, we played super fast and just, it was angry and pissed off, you know? Um, but I think that was like the first band I would consider as a band that I was in, you know, cut short, uh, rewind from that. <laughs> the one of the first the first bit I ever was in was a band called The Crowds and the Deer. <laughs> terrible, terrible name, but it was just in the the vein of like Armor for Sleep and and Boys Night Out and all that shit. You know, you were learning the ropes and learning how to write songs, learning different styles. Did any of those bands feel like they were going to progress into something capable of you know, getting bigger and bigger. Getting bigger? Is that what well, you said? Sorry, you cut out. Yeah, getting bigger or just getting getting the music to be where you wanted it to be, you know, moving it momentum-wise where you wanted music to develop and create more and, you know, gain more shows. Yeah. And I don't know. You know, I, I think through every band, you, you started to stand it a little bit more just because I don't know if you're a creative person, if you have an imagination, you know, I, I think you just come up with all these new ideas and new things that you want to do. And you eventually meet new people that have pretty cool ideas too. And it all together, you know, it's like a big out of soup. You know? <laughs> um, well, let's get into, let's get into like agitator. Now, I know you joined about halfway through or the last section of it. Um, Agitator were, you know, from my knowledge of not being local to the scene, they were a straight edge band, but they're also a band that were making quite a bit of attention because of um, they were making a statement, whether that was through songs, whether that was through merch. Uh, What was that time for you like seeing Agitator on the scene? And when you joined it, was it, a bit um was it confronting for you having to deal with people that were giving the band a lot of negativity when it wasn't always justified uh agitator i joined and all that stuff didn't happen until i pretty much uh i got in and about a year later that's when all that crazy shit happened everybody was making a big deal about it um we played this show in reno nevada and it was this with this band, uh, another stake, uh, Deathbed, that was from Atlanta, and um, we were on tour with this band called Wrong Answer, which is the same kind of same area Agitator was from. And when Agitator went to go like set up and play, there's like these people that don't really look like they're there for the show, and they're standing there at the stage with their arms folded, and all just like they just look pissed. And so the promoter comes with the Marty, the singer, and he's like, yeah, I think you need to like talk to, um, I think you need to talk to this crowd about that song. And Marty's like, what the fuck? So I was like, I was told that I have to apologize to all these people. And all those people at the front with their arms folded were like a bunch of, you know, some sort of feminist movement that came out and was trying to attack us. And, so yeah, Marty's explaining himself on stage and they just weren't having it. They weren't there to reason at all. They were literally there to scream at him. 
Um, so eventually, what happened is they uh, they said all their they said their shit, and I think the whole crowd in the in the show was like, "Who are these fucking people? Like, get the fuck out of here!" And it pretty much overruled them, and it made everybody so crazy in the in the venue that those people left, and then we just went and played our songs. And people went fucking ape shit like while we were playing. It just made the reaction crazier. <laughs> <laughs> you guys weren't you guys weren't intentionally trying to troll people. You weren't intentionally trying to cause this stuff. But was was it just maybe a bit bit of misunderstanding? Maybe. Uh, yeah, a big misunderstanding. Marty never wrote that to to piss people off. You know, he, it was an angry band stemmed with you know angry lyrics and angry beliefs and he wrote a song and he he never wrote it to fucking piss anybody off he never wrote it um like he was standing for that kind of shit you know standing for rape and all this other shit that people said we were we were promoting or condoning it was just ridiculous you know it's a bit weird because you think about the bands that write gore lyrics, um, some of the obscene stuff that they're writing, they don't have people come and protest about, you know, what they're writing. Like Cannibal Corpse doesn't have people come and protest about some of their songs. Like no. I, know, I know it's a very extreme comparison, but what I'm saying is it, all it took must have been one person to hear the song and say, well, this is what he's saying, and then it just escalates to the point where it's out of control. Yeah, it gets misconstrued, just taken, uh, taken apart, uh, dissected, and just everyone likes to make up their own little assumptions and stories of it. But uh, a lot of it started on Tumblr. And Tum, do you know what you remember Tumblr, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's around anymore, but um, yeah, Tumblr, like that's that shit was just going crazy, and, and yeah, people hated us for sure for no fucking reason beyond their belief they don't i don't think they really understood why they just got caught up in everybody else's opinions you know and so it was just pretty crazy but you know i i never really cared when i when i joined and it didn't happen i just loved to fucking play with them because they were just at the time dude they were just like this heavy pissed off fucking straight edge band and i was just like i related with that and you know, they ended up being some of my greatest friends. Do you think? Do you think part of that stuff that was going on um, ever gave you guys a chance to really get going? And then the second half of the question is part of kind of links in with Year of the Knife. Do you ever think being a very outward straight edge band potentially stops you from gaining fans that aren't straight edge? Uh. Uh, it's kind of a hard question to answer, but I guess I'll, I'll try at it. Like, um, are you saying like, do, do you think that since I was an agitator, it affected, it would no. affect Year of the Knife? No, what I'm saying is with Agitator, do you think all that chaos that went on stopped uh -huh. Agitator continuing and growing to a point? And then kind of a second question, which is to do with both bands do you think being straight edge band in any way stops a band getting out further? As in, like, do you think some people listen to a band and then go, "Oh, they're straight edge"? Mm, not for me. 
Uh, so yeah, with agitator, <clears throat> that eventually calmed down, like all that stuff. And then we wrote an LP, and you know everything was fine. It, it's just we kind of burned out a little bit. I don't think people cared as much anymore. You know, I, I I think it was just time to you know to do our own things, and we were a band for like four or five years, but it never really affected us. I think that stuff fizzled out. There was always little like people that like to come back and pick that song apart. And like, oh, well, this is the band that did this. Remember that? It's like, dude, let it the fuck go. Um, but we still just did our thing, man. And if you know, you just have to stand your ground. If you if you know you're not guilty of something, don't fucking fall for other people's bullshit. They they will try to tear you apart. They'll try to tear you down and take everything that you worked for just because they're they have nothing else going for them. So they want to fucking be this like pseudo you know this fake fucking superhero and try to tear your fucking world apart and all for personal gain you know well it's social but, warriors isn't it that's nowadays everyone's a fucking social warrior on social media yeah 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 it's sad not a lot of people pursue anything i don't think people really have a, a passion or any sort of hobby or anything to keep them entertained from the fucking internet. And that's where they live their lives, you know. It's also worrying because you can't have an opinion or a change of opinion to someone on the internet because someone just yells at you that it's not right. And you go, well, let's open discussion. They don't want to open discussion. They just want to yell at you that they don't agree with you. That's not a discussion. That's not how it works. Exactly. That's exactly how, like, that's exactly how they do it. They don't, they don't want to reason. They don't want to. They don't want to agree. They want to be right. They want to put their two cents out there and they want to be looked upon and um, just as this, yeah, like a fucking superhero, dude. I, they want to be the, they want to be the best, you know? Yeah, and a worrying, a worrying thing with people that aren't willing to open up the discussion is shows that they're worried that their opinion or their mind is going to get changed through the discussion. They don't want to talk about it because if they if they're suddenly wrong, oh, that's not good for them. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. It's interesting uh, how people like to uh, you put your opinion out there, and people will use everything against you. They'll subtweet you. They'll, you know, they know personal things about you, and they like to bring that shit up. And they don't have really anything else going for them besides that. And that's where they try to get some sort of popularity out of everything, you know. It's fucking terrible, dude. I don't know why people act that way. So oh, I think the problem is more people have got a platform nowadays. They didn't used to have a platform. Now they do. Yeah, so social media is like, it can be, you know, a very narcissistic thing. It can be definitely a, the platform, that is definitely the number one platform to, hey, look at me, like, you know, I'm the fucking, I'm a fucking rock star and I do all this shit and do that. It's like, it's cool to share the events in your life and it's cool to do stuff like that. And, but not when you're posting a picture of your fucking face every day, dude, it, it just becomes something of you being obsessed with yourself and trying to gain attention from it and not really giving anything back. I don't know. Well, uh, yeah, I think spot on. I also think it's a bit worrying that you ask some people what their career is now and they say they're a social media influencer. Um, yeah. Sorry? Is, yeah. that, is that a fuck? That's a thing. That's a fucking thing. 
<laughs> that and, uh, like models and stuff like that and oh. you know uh promoting uh you know workout like just proteins and workout powder and shit i don't know like all that stuff <laughs> they're like drink this tea this tea's great okay but thanks <laughs> yeah but uh yeah like answering your your question the other question yeah with like you're the knife is like no nah, we don't really like I, I think i think it's a pretty universal thing that we are we're a straight edge band um people dig us either way i i write straight edge lyrics you know we have a straight edge message message but it's from a different, it's from a different angle, you know, it's from personal experiences and the way, you know, the way we are and the way we grew up and just dark kind of devastating shit that you got to deal with. And, um, you know, I, I think it goes, it, it's very, it's very relatable, r- relatable and universal for a lot of people. So I feel, I feel like that's why people could dig us a lot more, you know, it does suck sometimes, and I, I think it's very important to stand. Obviously, you know, being straight edge, it's it's very important to stand for your morals. But when you're a straight edge band, it can pigeonhole you sometimes, and and people, you know, only straight edge kids or even hard, you know, I don't know. Only straight edge kids will will listen to that band, and other people like people who smoke cigs or smoke weed it's like i don't want to fucking listen to them it's a weird it's 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 weird now getting into some year of the knife stuff um the switch over from being at the back of stage to the front of stage um what was that like for you and was it something that you were comfortable with doing um yeah uh it was, it was definitely a weird transition uh, doing going from drums to vocals. The only thing I feel like I I feel like vocals and drums had in common common were like uh, rhythm, mm-hmm. you know, they're like rhythm. And it's cool you can go do vocal patterns and and treat it as kind of like a drum set when you put it over a track. Um, the transition of when uh, I took over vocals and our original singer we like, you know, just kicked them out. It was, it was hard, man. And it's, it's still fucking hard, but it, it's just the way it is, you know? And, um, I don't know. It, it definitely got a lot to get used to. And, but, you know, I think it's great. I think it's great to get up there and just be as angry and just exert as much energy as you fucking can. Yeah. I, I, you gotta give it a hundred percent every show. I feel like, you do. You even apparently you. I mean, I've seen some footage of and read some things about you having a a move that you call the Cornhelio. <laughs> Dude, oh my god! Is this something that you? Uh, is this a, is this a forte of yours? Is this a skill that you've developed over the years? Because it's not a skill. <laughs> it's not a skill I've 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 been very aware of. No, it's uh, it's like oh my god. Cornhole, you've seen Beavis and Butthead. Oh, yeah. Beavis and Butthead, oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yo, Beavis would put the shirt, like the neck of his shirt over his head. And that's Cornholio. The thing that I would do <laughs> is I'd take the bottom of my shirt and I'd wrap it over my head and I'd just scream through my shirt into the mic. 
And she, uh, the interviewer of Revolver had actually asked me, what do you call that? And like right off the bat, dude, I you just called it. Holy and I was like, no, because then it fucking stuck. <laughs> you know, everyone like, yeah. So there's a couple things I like to do, but every once in a while, I'll pull that one out. It's when we're, when we're all having fun and shit, when it's a good show, I'll just, I'll be a jackass and pull that out. Well, one one thing you guys are also really well known for, and you touched on it there as well, is the live show. You give it all, you throw it all out there, and you leave nothing on the table. Is that hard to do sometimes when you're traveling around doing all these shows in a row, or is it something that as soon as that first note rings out, it's like, yep, let's fucking go. Let's get it. Yeah. I think like when that first note rings out, it's like adrenaline. It's like a straight shot of adrenaline. And then we're all like, oh, fuck. And then once the first couple of seconds of the song go in, it's like, you know what I mean? We're all fucking rolling and feeling it. Let's uh, let's get into a little bit of the end of Year of the Knife and we'll start to, um, you know, look to wrap things up because I'm holding you away from doing some graffiti work, I know. Um, oh, that's fine. Dude, I actually have I have Aaron and Andy here with me. Ooh. The Aaron yeah, the guitar player, Andy, or Aaron, sorry, and Andy, the drummer over here. They're, like, pick, picking apart my fucking records and shit. They're telling you what's good and what sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, they are. They're they're fucking, they're good, they're good critics, man. They're good with music. They put me on to a lot of shit, so. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we mentioned at the very start that, pretty crazy for you guys at the moment to say you're a buzzed band would be an understatement um you're one of those bands in the hardcore scene now that is up there with the other ones that are mentioned all the time which are like knock loose code orange vein jesus peace you know year of the knife is very hyped um and it's something that i think you've worked at to get that attention um is there come comes with that you know, buzz and expectation pressure for you guys, or do you just take it as, you know, well, we're going to live up to it. So we're just going to push through it. Um, no, I don't know, man. Like, I don't think any of us really look, look at it like that, you know, like, uh, like as we're at, we have this like momentum right now, but you know, I just, we never really look at it as like hype. As long as I feel like we just keep, enjoying it and doing it I, I don't think we'll really ever have that kind of thought of um you know i i'm totally losing it right now but um i don't know what like what sorry like what is the question again I, so i mean with like a, with a lot of attention comes a lot of pressure um and yeah do you at all care about the pressure and expectation because some people put it on that you need to achieve the goals that they're setting or do you just go by your own, you know, your own path? I don't know. Do you feel pressure? No. no, no. Do you feel I pressure? Feel, I feel like we, don't, we definitely don't just play as a band to try and live up to everybody's expectations. You know, we just keep doing what we do. Yeah. And um, I, yeah, no, nah, I don't feel pressured. You know, I, I just, I'm just going with it and it's picking up and it's still always the same. Like it, as we were when we first started writing, you know, or putting out music and, but yeah, nah, I don't feel really pressured. There are these fucking tours that, you know, that we get offered and the, this is a good example is like playing with a band, like stick to your guns or counterparts. Like those, those shows are in, in terror and sanction. Like this is a tour that's coming up. 
I feel like those shows are going to be pretty big, you know, and a lot of these shows have barricades and the, you know, the capacity, it's going to bring out a lot more people. So, you know, you get like nervous and shit like that playing to, I don't know, you know like three, 400, 400 kids. And that's always going to be like, there's always going to be that stage fright, but the pressure for, um, trying to, to, to live up with it, to catch up with it. I don't think that's really a problem for us, you know? I, I think I think I think it's good to see um, nowadays hardcore bands getting that kind of hype because it, it, there was a period there when we didn't have many that were buzzed about. It was just kind of the couple of big names and then that was it. So I think it's good and refreshing also that new bands are getting hyped, but also diverse bands because all those bands I mentioned before, you know, Jesus, Peace, Vane, Knock Loose, Yourselves, Code Orange, you're all different. You're all under the cap of hardcore, but you're all different. So it's quite an exciting time. I, you know, it's, it's cool that you put it that way. I, um, we do all have like these little, you know, these differences and, you know, vain, Jesus, peace, um, sanction, there's Amakara, there's judiciary, you know, a lot of, a lot of big stuff and, and knock loose too, you know, I, <clears throat> it's, it's a very, it's a, it's good to be a part of that, of this era. Cause you know what I mean? Like we listen and look up the bands that we grew up with and wonder what it must have been like um, to be a part of that, you know, to be with those bands that were relevant with each other around that time and that toured. And it's, it's cool that you put it, you know, you bring that up because it's making me realize like that's something that's definitely should appreciate a lot more, you know. Oh, it's an exciting time for bands like yourselves and hardcore in general. I think we're, we're getting into a really exciting time. Um, I think it got stale for a while, but I think it's really exciting because of bands like yourselves and Knock Loose and stuff, really bringing it forward and seeing tours that you're on with, you know, the Legends Terror and Stick to Your Guns and stuff. It just shows that also the hardcore community starting to give back. You're supporting each other. Um, I think that got lost for a while as well. Yeah, I, I think not a, not for like the past couple of years, I feel like there weren't really a, a lot of bigger hardcore acts mixing with like post hardcore, like bigger, like the post hardcore world and metalcore world were all, will always kind of thrive bigger with, with touring and, and, and getting out there a lot more. But as far as hardcore goes, you know, it's, it's always been a very deep underground culture, you know? And, and I, I believe that hardcore should only go so far, you know, it shouldn't go into the mainstream world. Yeah, it's got to stick to the fucking underground. Yeah, yeah, that's where the roots are, man. Under. One last question before we start to wrap things up, brother, and uh, that is the um, it's a two parter. How'd the sign up with Pure Noise Records come about? Because I think that's been a really integral step for you guys. And then the second half of that question is, um what's what's for you guys in the future is it going to keep to the grind are you trying to really pick your tours so that you're not oversaturating your name like what's the future for you guys coming ahead uh uh so the first question with with pure noise is we were doing a tour and knock loose brought us out and we played like ohio richmond and I forget there was another date too that we played in 
Yeah, yeah, Lyle Fest, New Jersey. And we got we got along really well and you know, um Knock Loose really like forever indebted to them, you know what I mean? So we did that little weekend and then eventually we got offered this tour with them. It was Knock Loose, Terror, Jesus Peace, and um It was Stone. It was Stone and we took Stone's place. Was it just the four of us? Yeah. Yeah, so it was the four of us. And it was a fucking awesome tour, dude. And we brought them, we, they brought us out and um, we got out to, we got out to like the West coast and we played chain reaction. We played, uh, and I think it's in Anaheim and we played there. And I, I think uh, me, I think one or two of the dudes from pure noise were there and they, they really dug us. And, um, so I think that kind of caught their eye and they dug us cause we were a straight edge hardcore band and they really love hardcore and, they're, you know, some of them are straight edge and it's just cool to be a part of that. And they take care of their bands, man. They, so yeah, that's eventually, uh, you know, they hit us up and they're like, Hey, you know, would you like, you know, would you want to sign the pure noise? And we're like, fuck yeah. So, um, we got a cut, we got like a LP we're going to be working on soon. So <laughs> fuck yeah. Yeah. There's that. Um, and I'm sorry, the second question, you actually broke out earlier, but, uh, um, sec- could, second uh, part was, you know, what are you looking at to do for the next, you know, rest of the year and start of next year? Is it going to be tour as much as possible or are you going to really pick your tours? Because one of the things nowadays, I think that bands need to do smart and you're one that does it smart is not oversaturating your name on the market. It's that real fine line tour enough, but don't tour too much. Um, so what's, what's the go for you guys coming up for the next six months to a year? Um, yeah, I think about in three weeks we leave, uh, we'll be gone for two months. (laughs) It's, we drive a week out to California, we play Sound and Fury. Um, and then after Sound and Fury, we have a week off. We'll probably just be in California and like LA somewhere. And it's going to be, I think about five weeks. And it's just from the West Coast to the East Coast, um, through the whole country. We're going to be hitting Canada as well. And um, it it goes from the West to the East, and then it ends back in the West Coast. And then we're driving a whole week back. So, dude, we're going to be gone for like two months. It's going to be crazy. We're definitely going to be choking each other out. Well, I mean, eventually, eventually you'll get to Australia, hopefully, as well. Yeah, dude, we had. I think we had plans. We, we were Ooh. trying to get out there. We're, yeah, we were supposed to go to Japan and then Australia, but some things got messed up. So it, it would only make sense to do that all in one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the- you you think traveling around America is hard? You're going to find it hard here to get from one major city to the next is eight hours minimum. No. Yeah. We make shit. <laughs> oh, man. We make shit really hard for you bands. It's like, hey, come and play in Melbourne, and then you're going to go to Adelaide. How long's Adelaide? Nine hours. No. Yeah. How are the shows? The shows are really good out there? Shows are good, but the trick with Australia is the lineup. It really is. Like, you kind of need a good package because Aussie fans get a bit fucking lazy. They're like, oh, we've seen so-and-so before. We're not going to go out. But if you put on a smart package and you don't, go for too big of a rooms you look at about a 500 cap room you'll sell it out yeah. power trip did it recently they were really smart nowhere over five six hundred and everything was selling out so it's just smart packaging well, smart touring 
Okay, very cool. Yo, power trips, fucking shit. I'm thinking, sure they can bring a lot of people too. We we want to get out there, man. And personally, I've never been to Australia, and it's it looks like a beautiful, you know, place to be. So we want to get out there. And so let's wrap things up with the segment called "Pick Your Poison." So this is pick one of your favorite of the two and everyone in that room is going to hear what really you like or dislike. Okay. All right, cool. Okay. Would you, would you rather a pizza or a burger? Pizza for sure. Okay. Would you rather, would you rather Chinese takeaway or Indian takeaway? Chinese for sure. Okay, would you rather cook at home or dine out? Uh, I should probably cook at home, but I don't know. I'll just say dine out because I feel like that's what we all do, dine out. Would you rather go to the movies or sit on the couch? I'll go to the movies for sure. Okay, beach or snow? Beach. Uh, cat or dog? Fuck. <laughs> that's this fucking is, hard, man. This is, this, it's the most important one, cat or dog? Dog. Oh, okay. I love cats, man, but do- I'll just go with dogs are funny as hell. So, uh, Skateboard or rollerblade? Oh, skateboarding all the way, dude. Surf- I should have said rollerblade. <laughs> surf or ski? Uh, surf. Okay. Terminator or Predator? Predator. Fuck oh. yeah. Okay. Rambo or Rocky? Uh, Rambo. Oh, man. Uh, Freddy Rambo. or Jason? Freddy. Nice. Hell yeah. Uh, MacGyver or Walker, Texas Ranger? Who's... Uh, MacGyver. How do you not know MacGyver? Brother, I'm fucking lost on that. Who's would you MacGyver? Rather, would you rather Chuck Norris or someone else? You got to pick Chuck Norris. All right, man. Chuck Norris. He's yeah, God. Norris He's God. You have to pick God. You have to. Okay. Um, I pick God for sure. South Park or Simpsons? That's a hard one. I know my answer to that. But... What? What is it? I, I was going to say Simpsons. I'll, yeah, I'd say Simpsons too. Simpsons is legendary. Oh, gee. Um, yeah. Mad Ball or Terror? Terror. I'll say Terror. Okay. I love Mad Agnostic Front or Sick of It All? I'll say agnostic front. Okay. Hate breed mm-hmm. or throwdown? Hate breed. Okay. Metallica or Megadeth? Oh, Metallica. Um, <sighs> would you prefer stage dives or mic grabs? Uh, stage dives. Okay. Yeah, stage dives. Would you prefer to watch the show from the mosh pit or up at the sound desk? Oh, at the fucking mosh pit for sure. Up in there. Chaos. Would you prefer to tour for the rest of your life or record for the rest of your life? Oh God, that's a hard question. That's no. the, which, which, the lesser of lesser of two evils because they both have their difficulties. Oh my God! Oh man, I'll do recording. Okay, I'll do recording. Last one. Would you prefer to own an album on CD, vinyl, or on your phone? Vinyl. All right. Bull- or vinyl. All right, I think we just broke you in that last segment, but we got there. <laughs>
the MacGyver dude. I, I'm everyone. I, I'm sure a lot of people know that, and I'm just MacGyver. MacGyver's the guy that can create anything out of anything. So you say I need to make a bomb. You give him tin foil, a toothpick, and an avocado, and it's made. Okay. Okay. And I'm, I'm down with that. I'm down with that. And then Walker, Texas Ranger is Chuck Norris. And you know, Chuck Norris doesn't do push ups. Yeah. He pushes the earth away from himself. So <laughs> it's. He, yeah, he's crap. I, MacGyver, like, that's a term, obviously. Like, yo, I'm, I'm going to MacGyver this, like, blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. it's an actual person, an actual thing. It like, was a TV show in the um, 90s, it was massive. Where am I, dude? <laughs> <laughs> this is the Twilight Zone. I'm in. The, I'm in the future. Yeah, I am in the Twilight Zone for sure, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. I. We'll, we'll just go with Texas Walker Ranger, dude. We'll do that. <laughs> we'll go with, with Chuck Norris, bro. <laughs> that question broke you. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, man. I feel stupid as hell now. Not at so. all, man. Not <laughs> at all. It, it. It's um. It's quite interesting because yeah, you ask that question and some people go hate them both. You're like, okay, well, um, which one? Pick one, please. Um, yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Tyler, just thank you for taking time out, man. We've you know, exceeded expectations. It was really good chat about um, your lifestyle. Um, your opinions on things was really refreshing to hear as well. It'll be interesting for people to hear that as well, I think. Um, also, just about some band stuff. We had some technical problems but I'll now have to spend my next three weeks editing, but that's fine. Fuck you. <coughs> All good. Um, but, yeah, really appreciate it, man. Lots of love from Australia here and um, stoked awesome, to man. hopefully get you out of here soon. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll love to get out there, man. So thank you, for, uh, thank you for asking me to do this and everything. So I hope we get to talk more without the interruptions. So. Yeah, well, if you get down to Australia, I'll, I'll take you out for a sandwich and uh, – Hang out, and I'll bring the equipment. We can do it while we're munching some food. Yeah. So. Fuck yeah, man. All right, take care, brother. All right, you too. Have a good day. Later. See ya.
it off and I give a shit how it reads in the report sheet. So that was my chat with Tyler from Year of the Knife. And at the end there, you heard the band song JRM and Blue Lies. Both of those are on the band's recent compilation that they put out through Pure Noise Records, which is called Ultimate Aggression. So this is the part of the show where I remind you guys and spark that little fire in you to let you know and remind you that if you enjoyed those tunes, if you enjoyed the chat with Tyler, now's the time to get online, discover Year of the Knife. Now's your time to get online and maybe buy some merch, buy some vinyl, buy a CD. Whatever you've got to do, support Tyler and Year of the Knife. Support one of the best bands going around in this genre and also a very up-and-coming young band. It's the kind of band that you want to get behind early before they blow up big. You want to be able to say, I've been with these guys since day one. Now's the time. Support Year of the Knife. Also got to take time again to say thank you, Tyler. Much love, much respect, much appreciated, dude. You're a fucking legend. Keep doing what you're doing and look forward to hangs very, very soon. So that's it. That's the Mosh Zone episode 76 done, dusted, all wrapped up, locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget... You can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.